Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. On Labor Day weekend in 1953, Lucy was home at the Desilu Ranch in Chatsworth. The kids were with her. She was sitting in a rocking chair knitting, which she liked to do to calm her nerves. Lucy turned on the radio for the Walter Winchell Show. It's time, America. Time for Walter Winchell. Presented to you by Gruen. Walter Winchell was a radio and TV announcer. His shows were roundups of celebrity news, gossip, and innuendo. He was often reckless, and he was powerful. Mr. and Mrs. North and South America and all the ships at sea, let's go to press. Send 20 million people listen to him every Sunday, including Lucy and Desi. New York police have a hot lead on a murder of a Bronx mobster. Winchell said something that weekend that sent the couple into a tailspin. Los Angeles, California. While the House Committee on Un-American Activities was holding secret... He announced that the star of the country's most popular TV show had been questioned by the House Committee on Un-American Activities. In the 1950s, that was a really big deal. The committee was on a witch hunt. They were looking for communists. And they had their sights set on Lucy, the most famous woman in America. An accusation like that, it could end her career. That's not an exaggeration. In those few seconds, Walter Winchell confirmed what Lucy was afraid of her entire life, that the moment she was finally happy, finally secure, somebody could take it all away. I'm your host, Ben Mankiewicz. You're listening to Season 3 of The Plot Thickens, a podcast from Turner Classic Movies. This season, we're telling the story of how Lucille Ball became the funniest, most recognizable woman in America. This is Episode 7, Red Scare. To understand how Lucy could end up accused of being a communist, we need to go back, back through Lucy's life and back through history. American citizenship not only represents freedom, it also imposes duties and responsibilities. Get out and vote. In 1936, before Desi and before I Love Lucy, Lucille Ball signed a voter registration card. She was 24 years old. When she signed up to vote, she chose a political party. Lucy had registered as a member of the Communist Party. That's Aaron Sorkin. He's the writer and director of Being the Ricardos, a new movie about Lucy and Desi. She didn't think that there was anything sinister about being a communist. She thought it meant 
helping the working man and being for the little guy. Lucy learned that from her grandfather, Fred Hunt. Grandpa Hunt was a socialist. He even held Communist Party meetings at the family house. You would go to one of these meetings and it would feel more social than anything else. You know, they're passing out food and you're having cocktails and someone's speaking. I mean, we were in the midst of a terrible depression. Lucy never went to any of those meetings. She wasn't interested in politics. And besides, she was always working. But she was really close to Grandpa Hunt. Lucy would have done anything for him. Her father died when she was very young. Grandpa Fred raised her, was the patriarch of the family. Grandpa Hunt had recently had a stroke, and the family didn't want to upset him. So when he asked Lucy to register as a communist, she said yes. Here's Lucy's cousin, Cleo Smith. He was out recruiting voters. And of course, he caught Fred and Seal. They were voting age. I wasn't. And so he said, now, this is something that should be very important in your life. Okay, Grandpa. And they registered. Lucy voted in the 1936 primary, but not in the fall election. She couldn't be bothered. Senator Joseph McCarthy, with a series of sensational anti-communist charges and investigations beginning early in 1950, his political career began a meteoric rise. More than a decade later, Senator Joseph McCarthy began his anti-communism crusade. There is no remote possibility of this war which we're in today ending except by victory or by death for this civilization. McCarthy stoked fears about communism during the Cold War. A real war seemed likely. People worried the Soviet Union would bomb American cities. Sometimes the bomb might explode without any warning. Now, we must be ready for a new danger, the atomic bomb. That's why these children are practicing to duck and cover just as you do in your school. McCarthy believed communists had infiltrated the federal government at all levels, even U.S. intelligence agencies. Communist infiltration of the CIA disturbs me beyond work. McCarthy was in the Senate. Over in the House of Representatives, a separate investigation was underway. It was called the House Committee on Un-American Activities, or HUAC. The growing menace of communism arouses the House of Representatives Un-American Activities Committee. During World War II, HUAC had gone after Nazi sympathizers. In 1947, they turned their attention to communists. There was a tremendous fear that communists had infiltrated both our government and the entertainment industry and that they were seeking to brainwash our children through movies and television. So HUAC went after Hollywood. opens an inquiry into possible communist penetration of the Hollywood film industry. The committee is seeking to determine if Red Party members have reached the screen with subversive propaganda. The question is, have you ever been a member of the Communist Party? The committee held hearings. Stand away from the stand. There will be no demonstrations. 
That started what became the blacklist in Hollywood. No studio, no network would hire anyone on this list. Ten screenwriters went to prison for contempt of Congress for refusing to answer the question, are you now or have you ever been a member of the Communist Party, and for refusing to name names. Are you now or have you ever been a member of the Communist Party? People's careers were destroyed because of the blacklist. They became known as the Hollywood Ten. There were people in town who were angry about this and tried to stop HUAC. Hollywood fights back. They formed a group called the Committee for the First Amendment and put together a broadcast called Hollywood Fights Back. This is Myrna Loy. Actors like Gene Kelly, Myrna Loy, Humphrey Bogart, and Lauren Bacall were part of the broadcast. This is Humphrey Bogart. And so was Lucille Ball. This is Lucille Ball. All of us agree that the Constitution of the United States must be defended. But the way to do this is not by shutting up the man you disagree with, You must fight for his right to speak and be heard. All civil liberties go hand in hand. And when one goes, the others are weakened. Just as a collapse of one pillar in a house would endanger the whole structure. Do you remember your school... Lucy made this recording when she was 36. She was already married to Desi, but these were the days before I Love Lucy. Years later, she said she made it because her union asked her to. But Lucy stopped speaking out when things started getting worse, when she saw friends' lives ruined. Much of Hollywood went silent. They were scared. HUAC's plan was working. The press covered the committee's every move. Refusal to testify results in a contempt of Congress charge. Next on the list of witnesses is Ronald Reagan. The blacklist grew to include 300 actors, directors, and writers including Orson Welles and Charlie Chaplin. Paul Robeson made the list, too. He was a black actor and singer. HUAC went after him for the sin of trying to get laws passed to prevent black people from getting lynched. Are you an American communist? This is an invasion of my right of secret ballot, Senator Some of the most brilliant and distinguished Americans are about to go to jail for failure to answer that question, and I'm going to join them if necessary. Robeson and the others didn't go to prison, but they couldn't work. No one would hire them. HUAC also accused actor Larry Parks. He was an actor and a friend of Lucy's. Larry Parks was a rising star in the 1940s after making a movie called The Jolson Story. Watch them shuffling along. It's good, it's good, it's good. See them shuffling along. Go take your... The Jolson Story was a huge hit and won a bunch of Academy Awards, and Parks was nominated for Best Actor. He testified before Hugh Ack in 1951. My career has been ruined because of this. Don't present me with the choice of either being in contempt of this committee and going to jail or forcing me to crawl through the mud to be an informer, I I beg you not to force me to do this. But Parks did name names, names the committee already had, and he lost friends over it. And then there was Leela Rogers. She was Ginger Rogers' headstrong mother. She was like a mother to Lucy, too. Leela made it her mission to help Lucy's career when Lucy was starting out. When Leela took up a cause, any cause, there was no stopping her. 
Her latest was ridding Hollywood of communists. She testified before HUAC. The communist is a trained propagandist, a highly disciplined operator. Leela Rogers had no idea Lucy would end up a victim of her crusade. A year after Larry Parks testified before HUAC, I Love Lucy was back in production. The show was a huge hit. The number one show in the country. 30 million people tuned in every Monday night to watch. All right, girls, this is the first stop. In just a few weeks, the crew would film one of the most iconic scenes in television history. Lucy and Ethel go to work in a candy factory. Ricardo, I'm going to put you to work chocolate dipping. You say you've had experience. Oh, yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. I'm a dipper from way back. They used to call me the Big Dipper. And from there, things get out of control. Lucy and Desi were America's favorite couple. But that same spring, FBI agents showed up at the Desilu Ranch. They were there to see Lucy. The agents asked Lucy why she registered as a communist back in 1936. She told them about her grandfather. The agents said a communist party member had named names, and Lucy was one of them. A screenwriter named Rena Vale testified she went to meetings at Lucy's family home in the 1930s. Lucy had an answer for that, too. I was working at RKO and in Leela Rogers' workshop back then, she said. I was seldom home before midnight. Finally, the FBI seemed convinced. Lucy said they called her politically immature and left. But HUAC wasn't done with Lucy. Not by a long shot. We'll be back with more Lucy after this short break. Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Whether it's routine maintenance and emergency repair or a dream project, Angie lets you compare quotes from multiple local pros, browse homeowner reviews, and even book a service instantly. Angie's been connecting people with skilled pros for nearly 30 years. So the next time you have a home project, bring it to Angie to get your job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot Remember the date. One week from tonight, Lucy, Ricky, and Little Ricky will be back. In 1953, Lucy and Desi started shooting season three of I Love Lucy. Tell the family, tell the neighbors, spread the good word. Desilu was much bigger by then. They had more shows in production. They moved to newer and larger studios at the Motion Picture Center. Desi had built an empire. Desi did prove himself to be worthy of such a title. Desi's business acumen became more apparent as the company began to grow. That's Tom Gilbert. He wrote a book about Desilu. I remember one story. At one point, they were coming up with a budget, and they presented it to Desi, and he looked at it briefly, and he said, there's a million dollars missing here. 
like just immediately noticed that it's something the calculation was wrong. Um, and every you know these these you know accountants who are paid to know this stuff were amazed because they, they had gone over it and over it, and he he was right. It was there was it was unaccounted for. But Desi's empire still rested on the success of I Love Lucy. Once again, Aaron Sorkin. It was the most valuable property that CBS owned. It was the most valuable property that Philip Morris Tobacco owned. I Love Lucy was a huge industry. Lucy and Desi were rich now. They vacationed in Del Mar, a beach town about two hours south of Hollywood. There was a racetrack there. It was one of Desi's favorite places. They were in Del Mar when Lucy got a phone call. An investigator from HUAC wanted Lucy to come back to Los Angeles. She was asked to testify in front of the committee in a secret session, an unpublic session. Lucy went before HUAC on September 4th, 1953, along with her brother Fred and her mother Dee Dee. It was a closed-door hearing. Lucy insisted she was never a communist. When she left, Lucy thought for sure she'd really put it to rest this time, that it was finally over. HUAC, you know, they may have looked at each other and said, uh... Lucille Ball isn't a communist, and it's not fair to hurt her like this. But that just doesn't quite sound like HUAC, does it? No, that is not how HUAC did things. Lucy thought her testimony would be kept secret, but that's not what happened. At least not when Walter Winchell found out about it. A couple of days later, it was Labor Day weekend, and Lucy was in that rocking chair knitting, calming those nerves. She turned the radio on to listen to Walter Winchell. Winchell was a communist hunter, a very irresponsible communist hunter. And Winchell ends his broadcast by saying, television's most famous comedian was questioned by the House Un-American Activities Committee, about her association with the Communist Party. Confronted with her membership in the Communist Party. You kind of drop your glass of milk <laughs> when you hear that. Uh, that means your life is over. Desi was in Del Mar playing cards with friends. He drove straight home when he heard the news. Walter Winchell had just told the world that Lucy was a communist. As much friction as there was in that marriage, as much difficulty as there was in that marriage, these two were deeply in love with each other, and Desi was very protective of Lucy. Desi knew what it meant to lose everything in an instant. It happened to his family during the revolution in Cuba. He wasn't going to let it happen again. Not to him, and not to Lucy. The cast and crew showed up for work Tuesday morning in a daze. Word had spread quickly. Everyone at the show, including and especially Lucy and Desi, assumed that I Love Lucy was over, and so were their careers. Desi wrote about it in his memoir. The excerpts are from an audiobook and read by an actor. 
It looked like we might blow the whole goddamn Desilu empire and all we had because my wife was being called a communist. At that time, I Love Lucy episodes were made in four days, starting with a Tuesday table read and ending Friday night in front of a live audience. That week, they were making an episode called The Girls Go Into Business. Revo, I can't stand it. We can't let this opportunity go by. Do you have an idea? Yes, how much money have you got? You always get that same idea. Everyone was waiting to see if Winchell's news would get picked up by the other press, or whether it would magically just fade away. Lucy threw herself into rehearsals. Lucy regards each episode as a life-and-death experience that she has to kill every week. She has to kill every week for 36 weeks in a row. And this week, she is more intense about that than other weeks. Nothing broke in the papers Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday. We rehearsed our show as usual. But then came Friday morning. Lucy and Desi were still in bed. When I awoke to see a guy with a camera just outside the big window in our bedroom, I went outside and grabbed the photographer by the neck. What in hell do you think you're doing with that camera out there? I yelled at him. The reporters wanted to talk to Lucy. Desi was still in his bathrobe. He kicked them off the property and called their editor to say no comment. Although I think it's fair to say Desi used other, more colorful words. They were supposed to film the episode that night. When Lucy and Desi got to Desilu Studios, it was surrounded by reporters. Lucy, Lucy. Lucy was the headline in the Los Angeles Herald Express. Before noon, they came out with an extra. On the front page, the sons of bitches had printed a four-inch banner. In red ink yet, Lucille Ball, a red. Lucy remembers getting ready for the show. She sat under the hairdryer and did her nails. Her hands kept shaking. She had a terrible headache. Lucy was worried everyone would lose their jobs because of her. Desi went right into his office. People really loved Desi. And he had just collected, there wasn't such a thing as a Rolodex then, but he had collected a very good Rolodex. Desi started working the phones. He knew FBI Director J. Edgar Hoover from the Del Mar racetrack. Desi asked Hoover if the FBI had anything else on Lucy. They didn't. Desi then called the head of CBS to let him know what was going on. Then he called Alfred Lyons, the head of Philip Morris, the show's sponsor. He made Lyons an offer. If Philip Morris wanted to pull out, Desi wanted a half hour on national television. He wanted to tell their side of the story. No, young man, I ain't pulling out, said the nice old bastard. Let's go get some good headlines. Those were the first three calls I made that day. Desi pulled Lucy aside and told her Philip Morris was standing by them. Then he burst into tears. Lucy started to tear up too, but she didn't lose it. In a calm voice, she said, well, that's fine. I'll get back to work. Desi did the same. His next call was to a member of HUAC, California Congressman Donald Jackson. 
Desi demanded Jackson hold a news conference to clear Lucy. And at 6 p.m. that night, just two hours before showtime, Jackson finally held that press conference. He read a statement. There is no evidence Miss Ball is or ever was a party member. It wouldn't surprise me if the very powerful corporations like the Columbia Broadcasting System, Philip Morris Tobacco, Westinghouse, I Love Lucy was such a money maker for these companies that it certainly wouldn't surprise me if some influence was exerted over HUAC. Lucy and Desi had to go in front of a live audience, 300 people. Most of them wouldn't know Lucy had been cleared. The dangerous thing was what would happen with an audience. That's Bill Asher, the show's director. He talked to PBS in 1999. Everyone worried anti-communists might be in the audience. They might heckle or do something even worse. I mean, the nuts there are around who would be apt to do anything. That was the real concern. They considered calling off the show. And uh, we decided we'd go ahead and do it. But before the show started, we put some guards on the door. Desi came out and faced the audience. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much. You know, I'm sitting here. Lucy was married to exactly the right guy for that moment. When you're being threatened with the blacklist, Desi is the guy you want on your team. He would ordinarily, on Friday nights, he did the audience warm-up. He'd tell some jokes. But on this night, he did something different. And it's what saved Lucille Ball. It's what saved I Love Lucy. It, it saved the day. I went out front and said, Ladies and gentlemen, I know that you have read a lot of bad headlines about my wife today. I came from Cuba, but during my years in the United States Army, I became an American citizen. And one of the things I admire about this country is that you are considered innocent until you are proven guilty. And now the girl to whom I've been married for 13 years, the mother of my children, ladies and gentlemen, the vice president of Desilu Productions, I am the president, <laughs> my favorite redhead. Even that is not legitimate. The girl who plays Lucy. Lucille Ball. Lucy came out. She was scared to death. A big smile on her face. The crowd just roared with approval. They wouldn't stop their applause. Vivian Vance later said that if Lucy had heard one boo from the audience, she would have collapsed. Just in case, Desi arranged for a doctor to be on standby. But instead of booing, the crowd cheered. The show went on. Well, it's settled then. Lucy and Ethel's dress shop. Well, I think there ought to be a slight change. What kind of a change? Ethel and Lucy's dress shop sounds better to the ear. Not to my ear, it doesn't. They filmed the last scene. And when it was done, Lucy turned to the audience 
and dropped her Lucy Ricardo voice. She used her natural lower voice. Lucy said to the audience, God bless you for being so kind. Then she walked back to her dressing room, closed the door, and started sobbing. The entire week was lonely for Lucy. A lot of friends vanished. They all scattered like rats on a ship from her, and she was so destroyed by that. That's Robert Osborne. He was a close friend of Lucy's, and, of course, he used to host TCM. And she went to bed that night in this great turmoil, got up the next morning, and she walked down the stairs, and out in her garden, she said that she saw this man sitting in a chair, and it was Lou Costello, who she didn't really know that well. He said, I've been through things like this, and I just thought, you might need a friend. And she said she never forgot that, because he was the one person that showed up as a friend. Lucy and Desi had to face the press. That weekend, they hosted reporters at the ranch in Chatsworth. They gathered by the pool. You know, when they passed out lemonade, and uh, they you know, just wanted to make sure that everything was patched up with the press and that they were very clear about Lucy's loyalty to this country. While they were taking questions from the press, the doorbell rang. Lucy's friend, Sheila McRae, was there that day. Desi said, Larry Parks is at the door. And he said, Lucy, you can't open the door. You can't talk to him. Larry Parks was the actor who had named names during his testimony before HUAC. Desi went to the door instead. Larry was on the front porch holding a bouquet of red roses for Lucy. As diplomatically as I could, I told him to get lost. I explained it wouldn't do him or Lucy any good to have a story about Larry Parks bringing Lucy red roses at this particular period in time. Some son of a bitch would accuse them of belonging to the same cell. Larry, who had suffered enough from some of this same bad publicity and who had always been a perfect gentleman, understood. I really felt like shit, but I didn't dare to take the chance. Desi and Lucy gave reporters copies of Lucy's HUAC testimony. Lucy's eyes watered up several times as she answered questions, but she didn't cry, didn't break down. Reporters pointed out that while she didn't vote in the fall election back in 1936, she did vote as a communist in the primary. There were no tears then. Suddenly, Lucy was fierce. Big deal, she said. On Sunday, one week after Walter Winchell first broke the news, one hell of a week later, Winchell started his radio show. This time, he made a different statement. During the past week, Donald Jackson, chairman of the House Un-American Activities Committee, and all its members cleared Lucy 100%. So did J. Edgar Hoover and the FBI, plus every newspaper in America. And tonight, Mr. Lincoln is drying his eyes from making her go through this. After that, Lucy never talked much about her HUAC experience. But when she did, she was adamant. Here's Lucy on the Irv Cupsonet show. 
They knew that I was absolutely free and clear. They had nothing on me, but they used it with big red letters. And uh, then he cleared me within 24 hours. Still, the FBI kept watching Lucy. We got her FBI file. It runs over 150 pages, and it's heavily redacted. It contains entries as late as 1971. It even makes reference to a breakfast program for school children run by the Black Panther Party. It's hard to tell what any of it means. So much of it is blacked out. The HUAC scare might have changed Lucy, perhaps made her a little more cautious. She may have felt the need to demonstrate after that red scare, after that week. She may have felt the need to demonstrate, you know, how much she hated communism and and her allegiance to America. Today, we would call it virtue signaling. Lucy never voted again. But Lucy also had an impact on HUAC. Going after Lucy made them look mean. I think they picked the wrong person. Maybe if they'd have picked someone down and, not Lucy, are you, how could she be a communist? Dick Martin was a comedian and director who worked with Lucy. He talked about HUAC with PBS. And uh, they couldn't make it stick. They made it stick with Larry Parks, which was the saddest thing you ever saw in your life. HUAC's witch hunt started to lose steam in 1954. Eventually, the blacklist petered out. Lucy survived the scandal, but there would be others. It seemed with Lucy, the peaks and valleys just kept coming. The next one hit even closer to home. When we return, a tabloid story about Desi threatens Lucy's marriage. When the movie The Long, Long Trailer was released in early 1954, the studio billed Lucy and Desi as America's favorite comedy couple. Fans believed they were seeing the real-life couple on a honeymoon. But the truth was, Lucy and Desi were heading for trouble. The following year, a gossip rag called Confidential published an expose about Desi and other women. The headline asked, Does Desi really love Lucy? Confidential magazine in those days came out on Monday mornings. On Sunday night, her publicist brought her an advanced copy. The article described Desi as a duck-out daddy who hires cuddles-for-cash cuties. Those are real quotes. It said the sex workers he slept with were paid handsomely. Lucy loved Desi, and Lucy wanted so badly a home life, a family life. She makes that clear to Desi on their first date. So that confidential article was a gut punch. Gustavo Perez is a Cuban-American professor. He's written a lot about Desi. He was a heavy drinker. 
And as he became more successful and the pressures mounted, he drank more. He ran around more. The police in Beverly Hills already knew him. And they would sometimes they would find him in front of fancy brothels singing Babalu. Lucy and Desi would have terrible fights about it. Desi not understanding what the big deal was. These women didn't mean anything. And Lucy hurt, wondering why she wasn't enough. It would not be unusual for them to have a screaming match that ended in their ripping each other's clothes off. They were very passionate all over the spectrum. Lucy couldn't bring herself to leave Desi. She knew deep down he loved her and she loved him, but she was so unhappy. Lucy worried about how their fighting and Desi's drinking was impacting the kids. And then when the children were a certain age where you couldn't say, Daddy isn't feeling well, you could only say that for so many years. And he wasn't around. He just wasn't around. The article in Confidential made it all so public, and it was embarrassing for Lucy. She decided to focus on the things she knew how to do, her escape hatch from everything that was hard in life. Lucille Ball put all her energy into work. Lucy! I thought you'd never get here. The Ricardo's living room, that little postage stamp-sized piece of stage, became the only place where her marriage worked. Even though it wasn't her marriage, it was Lucy Ricardo's marriage to Ricky Ricardo. It was the only place she was happy. The Ricardo's home became the only place where she felt like she had that domestic life that she yearned for. On the next episode of The Plot Thickens, Desilu gets bigger and bigger, and the pressure on Desi gets more intense, while his drinking gets worse. At 10 o'clock in the morning, he would ask for some tomato soup, and it was loaded with vodka, you know, just loaded. And Lucy can't take it anymore. Desi's cheating, his drinking, it all gets to be too much. He would pick up women at parties they would have at their house and take him up into their bedroom. And she said, you'll fuck him in the maid's room. Angela Carone is our director of podcasts. Story editor and creative consultant is Joanne Ferrion. Audio editing and sound design by Mike Volgaris and his exceptional ears. Script writing by Angela Carone, Yako Friedman, Dale Maharaj, Maya Croth, and Joanne Ferrion. Yako Friedman is our senior producer. Associate production from Josh Lash. Additional editing and sound design by Paul Robert Mounsey and Heather Frankel. Additional script editing by Brian Erstadt and Susan White. James Sheridan is our researcher, fact checker, and resident Lucy expert. Mixing by Glenn Matulo and Tim Pelletier. Production support from Jordan Bogey, Bailey Tyler, Allison Fire, Julie Beton, Mario Riles, Susanna Zapeta, Liz Winter, and Reed Hall. Web support by Betsy Gooch. 
Thanks to David Byrne, Wendy Gardner, Taryn Jacobs, Diana Bosch, and the entire TCM marketing team. The excerpts from the audiobook version of Desi Arnaz's memoir were read by Juan Pablo de Pache. Thank you to Dotson Raider, whose interview with Lucy is heard throughout this podcast. Thomas Avery of Tune Welders composed our theme music. TCM's general manager is Pola Shagnon. Our executive producer is Charlie Tabish. Check out our website at tcm.com backslash the plot thickens. It has info about each episode and photos from throughout Lucille Ball's life. Again, that's tcm.com backslash the plot thickens. I'm your host, Ben Mankiewicz. Thanks for listening. See you next time.